Are you there, God? It's us, Sid King and Becca Stevenson. Welcome to the Good Girls Gone Sad podcast, where we unpack our childhood drama and try to figure out why we are the way we are. We're here to answer the questions, what made you good and what makes you sad? This week, the good girls are joined by Yamini Nambimadam. She's an actress, writer, and comedian based in Los Angeles. She hosts a sleepover-themed pop culture and current events podcast called Pillow Fight, which has featured guests like Katherine Ryan and Serena Shahidi. Her buddy comedy short, California Sober, is currently in pre-production, so stay up to date at Cali Sober Film on Instagram. And any other time, Yamini can be found everywhere at Show Me the Yams, announcing her silly little opinions in the town square. Please welcome to the podcast, Yamini. Yamini, welcome. We would love to know your good girl origin story. That's a big question, I guess, but um, (laughs) my parents are both immigrants and they moved to the U.S. in the 80s, both for grad school. I think they got married pretty young in order to be able to move to the U.S. and like come here. And they were both the only sibling of theirs to immigrate to the U.S. and they were both I'm just giving my whole family tree, one of three siblings. So I think they had a lot of family still there. And I think there was a lot of pressure to, you know, succeed having been like the first ones to do that. And I think my dad specifically has mentioned like from his classmates and peers, he felt a lot of kind of like evil eye for lack of a better word, like kind of preying on his downfall, the haters are coming for him. So I think like there was Very early on when I was born, I was an only child for five and a half years, which I feel like everything I don't like about myself comes from that. Um, But I feel like especially then, like I was just hearing all this stuff, like you are all you have, like we are all you have, like family is all you have. And so I really felt like I just couldn't let my family down. And my parents are both very smart people, very particularly science and math intellectual type of people. And so I always felt like school, I had to be extremely good at it. And kind of at that kind of held true for most of the things I did in my life. Like I could only do things if I was good at them. It was very lucky for me that I was good at school. Like I just, you know, thank God that that was a skill set that came naturally to me. But like even when I wasn't good at a sport, my parents were like, eh, maybe you shouldn't be doing that anymore. Or like, and it was like both my parents and me a little bit. And I think it wasn't until very recently that I kind of got out of this mentality of like, I have to be good at something to do it. But then I also had a little brother who I mentioned, I was an only child for five and a half years, but my parents didn't want to have another kid because they would always talk about how I was like a really difficult kid. I was like a loud and kind of a, a very theatrical kid. So I think that was probably hard to keep, keep handles on. But when I got older, I was really just begging and begging. I was like, I always use the metaphor, like, a sandwich doesn't taste good if there's only one filling in it. So I was like, you got to add something else to the sandwich. And eventually I had a brother and I feel like there was a lot of like, I had to be a parent to him in a lot of ways. So the whole like mature for my age thing happened. And I guess that's, that's my long-winded answer of my good girl origin story. Love that. (laughs) So much to unpack there. I know (laughs) I was being an only child for five and a half years is like a really interesting amount of time to be an only child. And it's interesting. Like you're not just like older by five and a half years. You even called yourself an only child for five and a half years. So like it did something to your brain. I think there is like a really a developmental thing that happens in that time. Like every phase of your life is a different kind of effect on like what part of you happens. But like 
when you're really young, I think like I never had the kind of siblinghood where we were like sharing stuff and like kind of competing for direct attention from my parents. So I never had to like settle with that kind of thing. And then my brother had like, I mean, he was never an only child, but he had five and a half years where he was the only child living in my parents' house. But it was a very different five and a half years because it was like middle school, high school. You know, he had fully kind of matured with me. Yeah. So Sid and I are both the youngest. Um, so I had the the like empty nester and just me kind of mm-hmm. experience too. And I definitely think like it, I don't know, I'm probably more spoiled than my siblings because of that. And also my parents were just kind of like over not over parenting, they wouldn't appreciate that. But like, I think they, by the time I came around, they were like, all these things that we were really serious about with them, you're kind of like, whatever, she'll be fine. Your curfews later, all of that. So I think it like makes a huge difference where you fall in the lineup and like how close to your siblings age-wise you are. Yeah, because I'm four and a half years younger than my sister. I guess it's not four and a half. It's actually like four and six days. I don't, I never know. I just said half because you said half. And I was like, that's what we're talking about. Half. Um, but I'm like exactly four years younger than my sister. And so we did share school because I went to Catholic school from like K through 12. So we, sorry, K through eight. I can't, I don't know any numbers. And this is like the third time I keep messing numbers up. It's a Monday. It's a Monday. Um, but we did go to school for the same time for a little bit, but then like our high school experience, it was like, fully mine and fully hers. And that was definitely interesting. So so my mom worked at her high school the whole time both of us were there. Was it just the two of you? Just the two of us. And we are, we were so different growing up. It was very much the blue sister and the pink sister, Mm -hmm. like a hundred percent. And now we're like a lot more similar than we ever even wanted to be. My sister was like, I'm goth and love wolves. And I was like, I'm a musical theater girl. And, um, yeah, I bet I'm just, I don't know. Really I think it's I good to relate. To have, but- my brother is extremely different from me as well. And I think I'm very grateful for that. I always joke, like if I had a twin, I would have eaten her in the womb. Like, I don't think there was space <laughs> in my family for somebody. Like I already felt like so much pressure on just me alone. Like if there was competing pressure on the two of us to be similar in any way, like we just were good at the most opposite things. And so our parents, like, as even if they wanted to compare, it was just like, yeah, well, here, what about this other thing? Like, this one can't do that. So it was very much, I think, a good experience to have a sibling who was very different. Yeah. Yeah, that's the best. I'm My siblings are all very, very different personality-wise, but my sister and I both did the same, like, activities. But mm-hmm. she's five years older than me, so I feel like we didn't have that like competitiveness, but I think if my brother who's three years older than me, if he had been a girl, it would have been like a bloodbath. Yeah. (laughs) Because like, I feel like my sister and I were fairly competitive with each other for being like so far apart. Like I was 12 when she went to college, 13. And that's just like, (laughs) she could look back and be like, Oh, my little sister. And if we had been like two years apart or something, it would have been bad. I think that my brother feels that way in way, way more than I do as well. And I know that's like not the gender thing, but particularly I think that he feels like there was pressure on him in school for not being good at the things that I was good at. But to me, it's like he was so good at the things that I wasn't good at. Like he's an engineering major in college right now. And like I couldn't take an AP science class. But to him, like that pressure wasn't put on me of like, huh, your brother was good at this. 
But to him, even though he was really good at those things, there was also the pressure of like, why aren't you getting an A in English class? Mm-hmm. And your sister did that. So I think there is just like, though there are so many more, I think, privileges afforded to younger children. My brother could run around, do whatever he wanted, even though he <laughs> didn't really want to. And I wanted to, which was frustrating to me. Um, I do feel like there were were these like, self-imposed pressures of like having to live up to whatever the older sibling was good at or Mm -hmm. did yeah that's especially when you have like the same teachers and stuff I feel like that becomes even more real especially I don't know I feel like when you're that much younger than somebody then the memory of them is like oh perfect yeah really idealized yeah and then like I would go to middle school and be like I don't want to try in this class but I have to because she knows everyone related to me (laughs) yeah I think the only teacher that my brother and I both had growing up was this awful like conservative NRA woman who was my seventh grade like we had a combined English and history class called humanities and for her to be teaching like history in eighth grade I think like was so wrong like she we were in we were in southern California learning about the war of northern aggression like that was not that was not the way things were supposed to go down and like she was in in like bringing kids in school into the children's chapter of the NRA and all this shit like that oh my god and for me like when I was that age, that was when I was the most just like really gung ho. I was on Tumblr and I was like, I need to fight the power. Like I, I would get in trouble. That was like the most I've ever gotten in trouble. The only time I ever got detention in school was in her class. And it was like, because my like girlfriends and I would just like always talk like kind of mean comments about her during class. And so we got detention once and I was the kid in that class who like she would always put me next to like the quietest kid in the class so that I wouldn't be able to talk. And then I would like get that kid to be the chattiest (laughs) person in the class. And then she eventually like put me next to her desk. Like it was one of those situations. That was always my biggest vice in school was I just love to talk. Otherwise, I was a good kid. But I she was like she was such a Republican. So I just really hated her. And um, my my brother had her. She like her memory of me was just like this troublemaker. Like she had lost the memory of me as like someone who was smart and like good at school because at the time, like I think she appreciated that at least. But because I was such a like menace to her, that's what she remembered. It was like the opposite way. And my brother came and my brother is like disagreed with her. And he would like text me being like, this woman's crazy. But he never said anything to her. He was like so he like gives funny comments every now and then, but most of the time he was like quiet. And like, he was just one of those like nerdy good boys to her and she loved him. And she was always telling him like, you're so different from your sister. Like you should, you should really, you know, you're going to shine and you're going to have a career in, in politics someday because you know when to keep your mouth shut and told me this. And I was like, (laughs) what does that mean? Yeah, is she still teaching? Do you know? I think she recently retired. Okay, for the best. Oh, yeah. I'm also from a states rights state, as we uh, <laughs> as we uh, call it. Um, wow, war of northern aggression. Even where I'm from, we didn't say that. I'm no, from- I'm from the south, and we didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> what Aggressive. I do, I have heard. 
I am from a, oh my gosh, Native Americans. We were best friends. What are you talking about? They were yeah. like, and over here, bestie, we're eating dinner. Oh yeah. We didn't really touch on. I think that like most, yeah, we, I don't think that, I think it's very new to be touching on the negative things that happened with like Native American, like, cause you learn about that stuff when you're really young. And I think when we were really young, it was like, so not, I think maybe when I was in high school was when the tides were changing on that conversation, but that was past when we were learning about it. But um, Becca, you're from North, North Carolina, right? Yeah. And Sid, where are you from? I'm from Indiana. Okay. Yeah. But I don't know. It's crazy because I feel like I grew up in Southern California and I got some crazy, like I got that and I got extremely abstinence only sex education Woo, in a, like, yeah, in a public too. school, in a public school. Like it was, it was just so wild to me. The things California that California is fascinating on. to me. Yeah. Like I, I just always assumed I've never been to California, but um, I just assumed that like Southern California was very liberal because like California to me was just this like sunny liberal place where everybody can do whatever they want. And I was friends with a girl who grew up like outside of LA and she was like, no, all my friends were like insanely Christian. And, mm-hmm. and she started talking about like some of the things they would talk about and do and whatever. And I was like, whoa, that's like my experience from the Bible belt. I can't believe that was happening in Southern California. Yeah. I mean, yeah. my sister lives in LA and her, like she lives in the Valley, but like her, a school next to her is getting pro- like constantly protested for having, um, like a drag queen story time in Glendale, California. Wow. It's like, it's not nowhere is as liberal as you think it is. That's actually like less than number one. No, like nowhere in the world is as liberal as you think it is, but most places are as conservative as you think they are. Yeah. That's a good rule of thumb. <laughs> I, I grew up in orange County, which is like known for being a conservative part of California, but I grew up in like the one city that is kind is like a college town in Orange County so it like expected to be different but it's ultimately just like it's racially diverse because of the college campus I think and because it's in Southern California but it's all rich people so they end up coming to the same like negative conclusions about all demographics of people that aren't themselves at the end of the day and then there are a lot of a lot of very Christian people of all races and there's like every kind of denominational church going on that is so interesting Mm. so you went to school like in the midwest how did that how was that for you like coming (laughs) from southern california was it i mean chicago's pretty is it okay where i say you went to school Mm -hmm. okay i mean like like you chicago's pretty open pretty big but i mean i'm like wow, you went from people probably think like, oh, you came from this liberal haven to the Midwest where everyone is like, it's cold. And so are my shoulders, like give me the cold shoulder. No, that was, that didn't work out. Like that <laughs> but um, you saw where I was going with it. I think you understand the question. Yeah. I think I had like, it was really the opposite situation just because I was like going to college at a liberal arts university. And so it was definitely like more progressive than the education that I got growing up and having like neoliberal parents in like a very a time growing up in a time and a place where talking about politics was very much not a thing like I feel I was in a freshman in college when the 2016 election happened and that was what I feel like got young people to start like 
discussing politics openly in like electoral politics, at least rather than just selective issues. Um, so I just didn't feel like we ever really did that. And I always had my own opinions and I would talk about it with my friends and stuff, but it was not something we were encouraged to like make a scene out of in any way. I always really wanted to go to college. Like I never had this kind of sadness to leave high school from like, obviously like my whole life, my parents were like, it's the most important thing in the world that you go to college. Like, I don't care what you do after that, but like you have to go to college. I mean, they did not care what I did after that, but they were like, that is, that is the one thing like in your future, you, it's happening, like non-negotiable. And so I always knew like, I'm going like, and I'm excited to go because I just feel like this is not my place. Like, I think me and my parents, like when I was in high school, we were just butting heads so much. And then I was never really vibing with the people that I went to high school with. Like I got on fine, like had a lot of friends, but I always knew like I would find my people in college. So I got there and that happened. And I feel like it was a very pivotal moment in the world politically. So I feel like everything kind of aligned and it very much shaped me in a way that really like still is how I see the world. And obviously things are gonna change and evolve, but I think I met a lot of people who had like very interesting points of view and were just very, very smart when I was in college. And now I live in LA, which is very different from where I grew up and also very different from where I went to school. And it's just a whole, I feel like everywhere you go really does shape you. But I think the people, in Chicago, just by being in college, were like more influential than necessarily the place I was in. The thing about the place was it was too cold for me and I had to come back. Um, I just was too spoiled growing up in California with the no. weather. No, it's it, it's in, it's uninhabitable. Like all yeah. of my friends up there, even being from Indiana, it's like the winters. So depressing. You, you don't need to like constantly go through a test of will every six months. Like I don't know why people live there. I mean, I do, and there I have so many friends that live there, and maybe we just lost all of our listeners. I don't know. It's Becca's cheap. Gonna be an evil eye. No, it is cheap, but it's just like you feel the wind inside of your bones. I know. Yeah. I've never. So my husband's from like near Chicago, and I've never been to the Midwest after like between November and like March. So I've never really seen the winter and, you know, at some point we're going to have to go like last year at Christmas, I think he said it was like negative eight degrees. And in North Carolina, it was like 65. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was like mad. I couldn't wear my sweaters. It's like a combination of like, it's the temperature, it's the wind chill. And then it's also like the snow isn't pretty. It's just like wet and it doesn't stick. So it's just like wet, angry rain. And if you like, if you go outside and you cry, cause that's what you want to do. You look outside and like, this is bleak. The tears will freeze to your face. Like it's not. Oh, no. Yes. No, I, I remember in college, they sent out a thing that was like, we as a university are not canceling classes, but there was like an ice storm and they're like, we're leaving it up to the discretion of the professors. But here's tips on to how not freeze your eyeballs or freeze your lungs. Your was, eyeballs? It was like, it to they told us to wear goggles outside so our eyeballs didn't freeze. Oh my God. My dad has a story of like momentarily going blind because he got his PhD in Rochester, New York and grew up in like the tropics in India. So that was like the most extreme 
shift but he has like an experience of like just walking across the quad and like for five seconds like losing sight because his eyes were so cold I can't even imagine that (laughs) like I'm I'm having trouble wrapping my brain around that kind of cold I've never experienced it I think the coldest you shouldn't have to Yeah, yeah it's like it's not fun there was like when I first moved to New York there was like a snowstorm and then there was one day when it was like negative 13 or something for like a day and I didn't leave the apartment (laughs) it's like why would people go outside like I'm not gonna do that and then people just like walk to work in that weather or walk to school can't do it I kind of like it sometimes I like I like seasons for sure I like seasons too but like uh, 25 degrees is a perfectly good cold weather amount (laughs) yeah I think I don't think weather really needs to be outside of 30 to 75 degrees personally like I'm just so I don't I don't uh even like in the summer unless you're like on the beach like I don't think it needs to be hotter than that I don't think it needs but I'm just I grew up here so I don't those those aren't temperatures I really ever have to deal with um but I I went to the kind of school that did not cancel class for anything did not give any sort of allowance for mental health any sort of like accommodations in any like yeah I mean you could get them but it was so impossible such an uphill battle but I remember my I think it was my no maybe my junior year my junior year winter there was a polar vortex where like people were going outside and like freezing to death and it was like three days long and they canceled class for that and I was like wow like it must be really bad and the girl that I was seeing at the time Ubered from her apartment to my apartment to come and see me. And I remember being like, this is the most touching gesture anybody could do, like to leave their house during the polar vortex for me. That's crazy. That's so funny. It's true love. Um, okay. Speaking of that kind of, I'm so curious if you had like abstinence only at high school education, but your parents were not abstinence only parents. We typically talk to people who were like down the line, it was like, well, why do we talk about sex? You're definitely not, you're definitely not going to do that. Like, what was it like? Were you, did your parents know about the abstinence only thing? Like, yeah. So what was there? My parents vibe was, we just like really, it was a really don't ask, don't tell household regarding all of that stuff. And I think like, it's still something I'm unlearning. Like, I feel like now if I date someone, like I can't, I'm like, oh, like I'm supposed to tell them that like, it's a weird kind of situation around it. And like, that's all sort of strange, but particularly with regards to sex education, I remember like getting a form that my parents had to sign in my health class where we had to like talk through this abstinence only, like, you know, sex is sex is a for marriage thing with our parents and have them sign off on it. And I remember my mom saying, well, I don't really believe in this waiting for marriage mumbo jumbo, but that's something for adults and you're not doing it anytime soon. (laughs) And I remember something like that. And that's how that conversation went. And it's also really funny because I just feel like, yeah, like I can't talk about this stuff with my parents whatever but then my brother like fully made a joke about how the way that my mom ran on the treadmill sounds like she's faking an orgasm like at the dinner table and I was like that's so crazy like I could I would never say something like that to my mother but she laughed (laughs) I don't know did it go over well like my brother my dad was like what are you saying Rohan and he was like 
I'm just telling the truth. Like, that's what it sounds like, you know? Like, I just thought she should know. Like, I don't think she wants to go around running and sounding like that. And she was oh like, thanks God. for looking out for me. And I was like, <laughs> my family would spontaneously combust. Like, all five of us would go up in flames at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> I could see it happening. Yeah, we're very don't ask, don't tell too. Like, and also I feel like I got this weird, I don't know. I just like, at some point in- decided that my parents didn't want to hear about my love life or maybe they did and I didn't feel comfortable telling them or something and so like I basically didn't say anything about like dating whatever and then I started comedy and talked about dating in my set and then they'd like ask to see videos or see it on TikTok or yeah whatever. and it was like this really weird thing where I'd be like I'm not talking about it to you but then I know that you're seeing these stories and when I started dating Michael we dated for probably like six months before I told my parents I think I told my sister but I I didn't tell my parents until I was like pretty sure we were gonna get married someday mm-hmm. <laughs> like, just gotta confirm I don't want to yeah because I'm like I have to tell then I have to like lean on them through a breakup like I don't that's embarrassing yeah. like, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know I I feel the same way with the comedy stuff my dad follows me on Twitter and I didn't oh. know about that for like months <laughs> and I was like oh I've been tweeting about like so much like sex that I've had with people in the past and he's seen it all which is just like wild but he's like never had any like negative comment on it but it's just like interesting because that's not a conversation that we would have but yeah I just think it's like so awkward my parents had an arranged marriage and I think that's maybe like part of the hang up for me with like talking about relationships with them I know that they have no desire to like for me or my brother to have that but it's just like I know that they didn't have like a normal dating process so I'm like maybe they don't relate to it or understand it but I don't know it's interesting yeah this is hitting me I um had a high school boyfriend um famously nothing ever happened between us basically nothing we were both very catholic but I think my parents both expected more was happening and there are things I look back on that they were, had made comments about. And I was like, oh, they thought we were like truly fooling around or something like that. Yeah. My dad was like, well, you know what it means to be in a parked car with a boy. And I did not. I absolutely <laughs> did not. And he like pulled me. He like pulled me. That you're going to get ice cream. <laughs> yeah, like, literally. Parking lot. And I was like, I mean, we have kids. And I fully, I was like, I was, I felt like I was being shamed for something. <laughs> oh, like if a boy, he was mostly being like, stick up for yourself. If you're in a situation you don't want to be in, um, which was good advice. He was like, this is how you say no kind of thing. But he was like doing it through this like episode of the Cosby show, which is like, <laughs> in hindsight, pre, yeah, pre Cosby, the Cosby um, show was me and my dad's show too. Oh, I it, loved that. Show. Yeah, it, it was really very devastating for my father. Um, We had like one DVD in the car and it was his special where he talks about hugging the toilet bowl when he's drunk. Um, if you know, you know, I mean, if you don't, I guess don't look it up, but, um, he was like, well, you're in a parked car with a boy. And I was like, I was like, well, why wouldn't I be able to get out of the car? I was just like asking all these things. I was like, what do you think is happening in the car? And he was like, oh, and he was like trying so hard to give me like a cool dad birds and the bees talk. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I've actually never seen a bee and I don't know what birds are. So am I a bird? Are you a bird? Like it was, it was kind of disastrous, but I think actually that was all going on in my head and I was being very quiet. Um, but in hindsight, I was like, oh, that's, he meant 
like don't have sex in a car <laughs> or if you do make sure it's the love of your life yeah. or something. I don't know. I actually, he's going to text me about this. He's going to listen and be like, that's not what I was trying to do at all. Like, well, obviously it wouldn't went over my head, but my mom was always I think just, there's like, so many lessons like that when you're a kid. So yeah. Funny. And my mom kind of just like, let us hang out in the basement. And most of the time it was just me watching him play Zelda. <laughs> she was like, please have sex. Yeah. <laughs> that's- my mom was like, I think you need to like, you need to get a little roughed up around the edges. Um, I mean, yeah. No, I mean, that's like my parents' relationship with my brother too. Yeah. Do that. You know, that. yeah, it's like, just, I'm just going to go away for 20 hours, like 20 minutes, just like whatever happens, happens. Yeah. Um, but no, my first kiss was, have I told this story in the podcast before? I don't think so. Okay. My first kiss, I was watching my high school boyfriend play Zelda. We had been dating for an entire month and he said, what do you think we could do right now to like celebrate our anniversary? And I was I started laughing. I laughed in his face. I was like, <laughs> nothing, nothing. There's nothing to do. And he, I was like, why? Is there something you want to do? And he was like, no. <laughs> and it was just like, it was like braces on braces action. We're just like sitting close to each other talking. And then he's like, I mean, maybe we could like kiss. And I was like, no, no, we can't do that. He's like, why not? And I was like, I don't know. And then uh, we did kiss. We did kiss after a whole month of dating. Um, but before we kissed, he was we I was watching him play Zelda and he said, Let me turn Link around. He shouldn't have to see this. Wow. So thoughtful. So thoughtful. Really is. And then I remember it was like, it really was like braces on braces action. It was just like a tin, two tin cans doing their did best. Watch, did you watch Pen 15? Yes. That is 90% of my life is pensive. Yeah, that scene feels They're just a little like hornier than I was for sure. And they also like were in a garage with alcohol. I, that never happened to me. Alcohol was never around me like that young. No, no, no. No. I had to chase alcohol. Like I had to, <laughs> I remember, I just remember being like my senior year of high school, be, my friends and I being like, we want to drink at a party. Like, somebody help us find a part like we were just not being invited to anywhere with alcohol no That's- peer pressure was being put on us because they were not inviting us to the parties with alcohol. literally same we've <laughs> talked about book smart many times on this podcast but like that was the vibe it was like oh shoot should we drink before college yeah <laughs> we've never we've never done that Incredible. yeah I one of our friends had a mom who was like go, go do it and so she kind of was the one whose house we would all we drank for the first time in and we ended up we ended up drinking for the first time at a new year's party in that house and i just remember like the we had never had alcohol and it was like green apple svedka and we were going <laughs> crazy and it was just like i don't know like the the amount of alcohol that i drank the first time i drank i don't think i could ever have consumed again like i just i don't know what was <laughs> what was possessing me but I'm I'm glad it, it happened and it was safe and it, I got it out of the way but and then I remember coming like I slept over at my friend's house and I came home and I was like just feeling so much like am I gonna be caught for this but my brother is was like he's not 21 he was and is like always being offered alcohol <laughs> and not taking it so it's just different <laughs> Yeah. He's walking down the street and someone's like, Hey, would you like this? Uh, would you like this? I was, Oh, I don't know. I can't even name alcohol right now. 
I was gonna say, would you like this Red Bull? And I was like, that's not alcohol. Although it seemed so dangerous. So scary. It seemed so dangerous. It might as well have been alcohol. And then when I heard people put them together, I was like, college is crazy. Yeah. Vodka and Red Bull. Um, Even still, I feel like that's like a recipe for a heart attack. I would never yeah. drink one. Um, okay. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. We would like to ask now what made you sad. Um, what made me sad? You know, a lot of things have made me sad. I think a lot of kind of um, pressure that I put on myself that I wonder why like other people aren't living up to that pressure, but it's like an unrealistic amount of pressure to put on myself or anyone. And I think that's something that like in the last few years I've like worked on letting go. But I think that I had a lot of like unhealthy particularly friendships kind of in my late adolescence and also relationships where I think I just expected so much from people and then kind of ultimately lashed out when they couldn't give me that. And that was like a hard thing. I also think, you know, this is something that my dad and I have always, like we've always just butted heads so much, but in the end, I think that we are very similar because it's like when you are a really like smart and intellectually curious person it's hard to not be sad because there's just so much like you know that there's you have so much hope but also so little hope at the same time like you know things are bad and it's kind of easy to rationalize everything into disaster and it's just really easy to be anxious about the future and I think like my parents are both extremely anxious people and that was like always something they were pushing upon us and so I always felt that anxiety um I don't know about like what else made me sad I think so much of it is just like random circumstances in life but I think I think it's this kind of like I want to be I want to do everything and there's so little time and yet there's too much time and it's just like kind of everything is so overwhelming life life felt so kind of easy when I was a kid or not necessarily easy but it was so straightforward like that big goal of college was was attainable as long as I followed like xyz step and then I think after I got there and especially once I left it was just like now what like what is that thing and it's so hard to like kind of direct self-direct yourself and I think that kind of is is what makes me quote unquote sad most of all but yeah, yeah. that's the perfect answer it is <laughs> I feel like you really contextualize I was like I haven't thought about it that way but we always talk about like what is a good girl gone sad and um like what like to me going sad is like being disillusioned from the like however you thought of yourself as a child because it's like this unattainable like thing and things feel very black and white but it also is like being super goal goal oriented that's very much a good girl thing I think and then yeah when your goals become like much more arbitrary after you get out of college or you like go to, okay I got into med school now I guess I'm a doctor like I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not a doctor I make handbags but um <laughs> that's pretty much awesome the opposite of being a doctor but <laughs> Um, I think, yeah, being super goal oriented and having that be a personality trait, whether you recognize it is or not. Yeah. That's hitting yeah. me. Yeah. Becca's also being hit. I saw her stare off into space. Yeah. Got us. No, I mean, <laughs> we've talked a lot about like 
like transitions and I was listening to your most recent episode of your podcast and you're talking about like transitions of like moving and starting school and stuff like that and like that really resonates with me and especially when I got to college that was like okay I'm here and now what and then it was kind of the same thing after college and like obviously moving to New York was a huge shift for me and everything like that but then like once I started working in the corporate world I was like what is my goal like what do I want do I want to be promoted like you that's not that easy to just say like I'm going to work until I'm promoted it's not like I'm going to get this role in the dance performance which is like Mm -hmm. how I used to motivate myself or like I'm going to get an A in this class it's just like it's just life it just keeps going you can't there's so much focus on like the first 20 years of your life on like what you accomplished then and then the rest of it is kind of like you know meet someone get married have kids like blah 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 work whatever for the rest of your life but it's not like it's for everyone different and so random it's like so just up to the fate of the universe which is so hard to accept mm-hmm. especially yeah, when you had <clears throat> when you had so much control over the first half of your life <sighs> yeah well, I think I think I feel a lot of fondness though for my younger self because I feel like so many like I I do feel like it was so easy to progress to whatever but I do think I felt so kind of alone and alienated from the kind of like life that I wanted because I think that was like not the life my family had or the life that anyone around me wanted and I always was kind of like I'm going to be famous like I'm going to be a star like that was kind of always how I felt as a kid but I knew it wasn't like I wasn't going to beg my immigrant parents to like, let me like audition for a Disney channel show. You know, that was like, not so and not in the normal realm of things, but like, I, I, I'm like, so I feel like young me would be, would be really impressed with like the fact that I've kind of post-college, like kind of gone my own way and like have been able to do all those things and also have been like somebody who was smart and like learned all these things and persevered through kind of situations that were hard. But I also think back to that person and I'm like, I just don't, I don't know how I could ever, how I ever did that. Yeah. The hardest I ever worked was in high school, like for sure. And I'm like, oof, I don't know if I ever want to be that girl again. It was really cool to know I could do that, but she wasn't happy. Not at all. Yeah. She, was, she was a little happy, mom. It's fine. I often think about like <laughs> what my younger self, I mean, Sid and I talk a lot about like our younger selves would judge our current selves, like for whatever reason, like not getting married at 23 or whatever it was. Yeah. But I think like, sometimes I'm like, would my younger self be proud of me or would she just be like, that's surprising. I don't know because I always wanted to be famous too. And like, I always wanted to be an actress, even though I didn't do theater, but like I had this like vision, this grand vision of what my life would be. And I'm just like, I just am so curious if like I would, my 12 year old self would look at my 30 year old self and be like, that's really cool that you're doing that stuff. Or if she'd be like, what is your life? Like, I think like 14, 14 to six year, 16 year old me would be like the most judgmental of me. Mm-hmm. But I think like young me, I remember always like 
seeing like older girls who were like cool and I remember being like I'm obsessed with you and like I don't know if that was maybe like a queer thing also but I think <laughs> like I just was like so people who were like out of when I was on vacation with my family and I would like see just like see some girl who's like older than me living her life like in a cool outfit I would just be like I would just be like I'm obsessed with you like I can't wait to be like out of this phase of my life and I think that's like a sad way to think when you're a kid because that's like the easiest your life will be um as far as like taking care of yourself wise but it's just um it's just like a funny thing that I was calling my mom and I was like, I'm just so frustrated by like the fact that there's just these like life goes on and things, frustrating things happen. And I still have to do my fucking laundry every week. I hate yeah. that. Like I, and she was like, you're upset about laundry. Like laundry is the easiest thing in your life. And like, that's like gonna, one day in 20 years would be like, I love doing laundry. Cause like, I can look forward to this like easy thing that I had, like that I can just check off my list. And I'm like, <laughs> I just, I, I, that's it's hard to think about it that way I can't mm-hmm. tell if that's encouraging or bleak yeah both. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's true jury's out yeah I I do want to go back to what you said about um you and your dad being similar in that being intellectually curious and smart makes it like hard not to see all the fears and like or all the scary things and bad things in the world I like I totally think that's true and I especially when I was younger, I had a lot of anxiety, but I couldn't put my finger on it. Now I can like articulate my anxiety and I feel like it's reasonable. Like I'm, I don't know. It's kind of hard not to, when you're like a pretty rational person and then you have all these spiraling thoughts and it's like, they're all actually rational when you think about Mm -hmm. it. These are all really scary things. I just, I do think it like opens up and I'm sure there's some element of like imagination too in there of like creative type people are probably more prone to like thinking through all of the different outcomes and like daydreaming. And that's not always positive, but yeah, I don't know. That really hit home for me where it was like, I do feel like a lot of my anxiety comes from like, I am curious about the world and I do want like to constantly grow and learn new things and stuff, but that often means stuff that scares me. And like, how do you combat that? I don't know. I remember my dad and I had like a huge fight when COVID was just beginning and I was still living in Chicago and he would call me like four times a day with like a new update on the case numbers and stuff like that. And I was just like, I can't hear all of this, like every single day, all this stuff. And he's like, well, you need to be informed. Like it's important to be informed. And I was like, I understand that, but like, I'm not leaving my house. Like I'm taking all the safety precautions. Like I don't need to know like the numbers exactly like every day of how many people are doing this. And he was like, no, like you need to know it. Otherwise, like the number is going to be you like the anxiety. Like there are just so many things where I think like I have that anxiety and I am trying to actively decouple from it or like set a boundary where I'm like, I'm going to engage in so far as it like helps me and it actively keeps me prepared and like bettering myself but at a certain point like I have to let go of these things because it's only just going to make me feel bad without equipping me like anxiety is the reason that like prey is able to run away from its predator or whatever but Mm -hmm. after a certain point it's no longer like biologically useful and so I think that's like something that we encounter now a lot like where I'm just like hey I'm an adult and like this is this is where I'm at with this thing and like you can panic about it all you want, but like 
this is my limit of the amount you're allowed to communicate with me about it. And then like, otherwise let's not do it. But I think like my parents, like they're, they are immigrants who came to the U S with like nothing and no one. And so to them, I think it's like our anxiety has fueled our success and that's why we're so successful, but it's not something that has like needed, has served me ever. Mm -hmm. So I just like, I feel like I should let go of it. I just had this crazy memory also while I was talking about in fifth grade, um, we all got to write, like, I don't know if anyone had this, but this is like such a like event that was talked, like looked forward to in elementary school for me. But in fifth grade, everyone got to like write a little book, like a chapter long book and like get it sent off and bound and it would like come back and they would have like the glossy cover and everything. And people were writing all these like super fun stories. I wrote like this depressing but true story about how like my two friends from the year before like stopped being my friend on like the first day of fifth grade. And like that was the story I wrote. And like my teacher like let this go to publishing and let it be like, just like <laughs> nobody intervened. And I'm thinking about that. And I'm like, I guess I think I've always been like you asked what made me sad or like when I went sad. But I think that has always been just like part of it. Like this, I think, yeah, like, I don't know, the sadness and the goodness are so like inter interwoven, but I just remember like turning that in and it's in my parents' house still. And I like read through it and I was like, who, like, if I saw this from a, a what, 11 year old, like, I would not be, I would not, like, you had no questions. Like <laughs> that was crazy like, to A me. plus, good job. Like, here's your book. Now take this to the guy. Like, it, it was, it was well-written, but you know, like that there were some questions. Cause he was just looking for grammar and yeah. yours was perfect. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, I think now, unless you have anything you'd like to add, we would love to ask for your entry into the good girl glossary, which is the definitive list of people, places, and things that make up a good girl. So I, my entry into the good girl glossary was that I watched Barney until I was about nine or 10 years old and like kind of exclusively children's educational television for a very long time. But I particularly think Barney was something I watched like well beyond age appropriateness. Like when kids were already watching That's a Raven, I was still on Barney. I a hundred percent feel this. I was a big, um, I loved like Word Girl and Cyber Chase and the Backyardigans. The Backyardigans were so good. When they had the resurgence on TikTok not too long ago, I was like, "Where? oh, we weren't all there together. We weren't all in on this at the same time when it came out. Um, yeah, I watched an absurd amount. I even watched like Rolly Polioli, I think, until I was like 12. And I was like, it's really well done. I'm uh, having fun. I watched Rolly Polioli as like too old. I also, well, I was a big Barney girl as well. Big Barney, big Barney and people. I think it was Mary Beth Brune. She said there's some, like, I don't know if it was actually a joke or just like a tweet or something, but it was about how there's like Sesame Street kids and then Barney kids just want to be loved. And I was like, that is so my family because there's three of us. My sister and my brother are like very smart, very intellectual. And like, not that I'm dumb, but like, I don't think I'm intellectual. And I just like want everyone to like me. And I was the only one that liked Barney and they loved Sesame Street. <laughs> and she, well, I loved both. Like, well, yeah. But I, um, I watched, um, well, I watched Teletubbies and Teletubbies came out when I was probably freaky. like seven. That's freaky. It. <laughs> 
I was allowed to watch it. My mom freaking. was afraid of the tubby custard. She's like, I don't get it. This is unnatural. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I would let my children watch Tully Tubbies either. Like, I think there's something deeply wrong going on there. Like, I think there's something <laughs> sick and perverted going on in Tully Tubbies. Yeah. Like, oh, wait, I just remembered. Um, <clears throat> What was her name? It was the girl in the puppets and then the guy who did the backflips. What? Um, she had pink hair. It was not the girl with the couch. No, no, no. Oh, the big, big comfy couch was a huge, huge yeah, part of me. I loved that um, show. because I was the like, girl I, with the puppets. She like so she was a girl, and then there was her friends were all puppets, and then there was a guy who exercised. His name was Sporticus, and then there was Robbie Rotten. I don't think I watched this. I don't think I did either. Okay. Keep talking, Becca. I have to look this up. Sportacus. Oh, well, you know what else I watched after my time? And the funny thing was all my friends were oldest siblings and I was the youngest. So like I had like no excuse for watching these shows. I kept, I kept telling people I was babysitting. I was, I was babysitting <laughs> myself. Yeah, well, I was really trying. Lazy Town. Sorry. It was called Lazy Town. Wait, oh, that sounds familiar. I remember that. That guy was freaky. No, he was so cool. It was just kind of Icelandic, okay? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what okay. was weird. It's just kind of vague. It was just from <laughs> just, Iceland. Just kind of Icelandic. But she, like, baked cakes and did cartwheels all day. And I was like, that is my absolute dream. And those <laughs> were all puppets. And I'm, I'm like, a big puppet girl. I love puppets. And I was like, this is so cool. Yeah. I don't know if you ever watched uh, Fetch with Ruff Ruffman. It might have <gasps> been after your time, but okay. No. It, <laughs> I that's guess shit. it's a little younger than me. So I probably have more. Not- that enough not young enough for it to um fetch with rough roughman yeah it's fetch with rough roughman it was a kid i've never even seen this it was a kid's game show i bought a game show and its name is fetch Fetch. it i don't know how he bought a game show that ever really made sense to me but he's no it was like it was like commentary on hollywood yeah, and he, was, he was also like he was like a smooth talking jazz guy. Yeah, and it was like, he was like a sleazy talk, like yes. game show host, but he was an animated dog. And then there were six like actual kids who would compete in challenges that were all like educational. And uh-huh. it was my dream to be on that show. But now in my in my life, I have I don't know if you know Taylor Guerin. She's in like the comedy world and we've mm. met. A handful of times but she was a season one original fetcher wow and she was my favorite on that season of fetch i was rooting for taylor and then i met her and i was like this is like i am starstruck truly like and did i did you grew know up when you. you met her like did you recognize her or did you already know um it wasn't when i had met her in person i knew already how i put two and two together was like she would she she was someone that i had seen just kind of in passing on twitter And then she like quote tweeted something with her picture from Fetch. And I was like, oh my God, that's you. And I totally know who that, I know who she is from Twitter. I was like, why is this name ringing a bell? And then when we met, I was like, that's crazy. I love Fetch. Okay. Um, I did actually, when I was interning in New York, I matched with a guy on Bumble who was on Fetch with Ruff Ruffman. And I asked him if he was on Fetch and he like had nothing about it on his profile. And he was like, yes. <laughs> you just recognize me. <laughs> he, I don't know. I think he like worked at a music label. It was like very much not an actor anymore. And I was like, yeah, I think I recognize you from somewhere. And he was like, that's so crazy. And he unmatched me. But I, 
I would oh, talk about that for days and days and days. I guess that's where my dating, days and days. <laughs> that's probably where my dating childhood stars. Yeah. Sid has dated several people who were formal, former child stars. Mm-hmm. Yes. Dang. I've never dated an adult as an adult dated a child star, um, but I've dated a lot of people who um, have I good clarification start in like the 2000, 2000 to 2006. I do feel like your type is niche fame. Yeah. And it's actually ruining my life. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm trying to convince Sid to like date a nice accountant. <laughs> um, so this is another fun story. I recently like was seeing a guy and he was an actor or whatever. And my friends were like, Sid, you should probably like think about dating somebody serious. And I was like, oh yeah, like a poet. <laughs> and they were like, for the love of God, we do not mean poet." <laughs> I was like, you know, someone who's not like quite as goofy. And they're like, no, you need to date like an accountant for like clowns. That's what you need to date. Like a serious person who has like a goofy An accountant side. for clowns. Oh, the goofy side. Okay. I see like an accountant for clowns. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you need to date like a really serious poet. And they're like, oh my God, no. Anyway, so. I, I, no, I, I kind of, I kind of relate to that, but I think I'm just drawn to, I, I, I'm drawn to like broken souls, but yeah, I think you that's know. a good girl gone sad thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like I don't even need to fix them. We're in this boat together. Yeah, <laughs> I can make us both is? worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just shabbing holes in the boat. Yeah, as we, go. Like, we go down, then we go down together. I'm sorry, we good. It was okay. Um, it didn't need to happen, not at all. Um, <laughs> I second your entry a hundred percent. I cannot believe. We got to talk about Fetch with Ruff Ruffman on this podcast and I didn't bring it up. This is going, this is a huge day for me. It's a huge, huge day. So I second the nomination. I definitely third it. All right. You're officially entered into the glossary. Yay. Congratulations. My honor. So the last thing that we do is we play a silly little game. And Sid, would you like to say the name since I saw you just wrote it? Yeah. I was like, Sid, why Sid don't text while you're on the phone? I was like, I'm just changing the name of the game. What's the name of the game? So Rad, Bad, and Sad is the name of the game. And we're going to name a category with some items in the category. And then you're going to rank them on their good girliness. Um, so you can rank them from like rad, bad to sad. Does that, if that makes sense. And if that doesn't okay. make sense, you can just rank them like one to five. I, I kind of thought it would work. Yeah. Saying it out loud. And I don't know if it works. Um, so sad is worse than bad. Yeah, I think yeah or like uh, sad is kind of like number one because it's like the good girl gone saddiest okay you know okay I mean? yeah that is like was too cool for school we probably wouldn't participate gotcha and that is like in between okay if that makes sense okay yeah. you want to start yes so the first category based on your email of things you'd like to talk about was school supplies so we have number two pencils three ring binders pencil box TI-84 calculator and spiral bound notebooks. I okay. can also drop this into the chat since that was like <laughs> kind of a lot. Yeah. The intention was be to be to Just have like three like one to five. each, but then we did too many. And then we got too excited. The thing about school supplies is I do feel like they're all good girl vibes. I think like of these things, I would say the raddest thing is the three ring binder. Because I think there was something so just like, like, okay, just like, you know, hot girl about like, like clamping and unclamping them. Like there's just something so like, 
making noise and taking up space. Yeah. Like it's like, it's just like yeah. 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 And, then also and I carrying it in your arms. You're like, when and I transitioned to the binder, I thought I was so cool. Oh yeah. From yeah. binder to fold, from folder to binder. That is yeah. a big thing. It's a big step. Yeah. It's very mature. And, um, yeah, it was like, it, it, it predated like the training bra. Like that was the first girl in your grade to switch to a binder. Like, you know, she was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would put that there. That's the raddest. Then I would go <laughs> number two pencils because I think I was too not having a real life to, to, to not care enough to have number two pencils. Like my pencils were all like I would go to I would make my mom take me to like a specialty pencil store and I would be doing like using my allowance on like like little character perfect little lead pens that lasted for not very long but I was like I had to have perfect little mechanical pencils so I think Mm -hmm. I'm gonna put number two pencil there because if you had that you you were you just didn't really care you're using a pencil you're like cool and casual. Mattered. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I think I'm gonna pencil box in the middle. Mm-hmm. Smack dab in the middle. Cause I think that's a pretty true neutral. Almost everyone had to have one of those. It kind of like there were different kinds of pencil boxes and pencil cases. And I think that's when you could get into it, but mm-hmm. everyone. We're not all created equal. Yeah. Absolutely pencil not. box versus pencil, pencil pouch. Versus the kind of pouch that you could clip into your three ring binder, three separate things. Yeah. And so the category of pencil box, I'm going to put smack tab in the middle. We could get Mm. into the differences, but yeah, then I'll go spiral bound notebook. Um, I think that riffraff was very, in terms of this good girl gone sad, it was very fun to play with it and to just be like angsty kind of barreling it up after you turned in an assignment and to like play with the little things. Mm -hmm. Like I think was a very like, um, kind of angsty process and spiral bound notebooks like that's where you take your notes that's where you do your do your little doodles like all there was juice in there for yeah. for me and many others and then I think top of the of that list goes TI-84 calculator just because I think um not everyone even like I I had so many kinds of these calculators I got a graphing one I had I don't remember if the TI-84 is the, is the brand name or the, the model of the calculator. I, don't I just well, Googled it. I was T- trying to remember. TI stands for Texas Instruments. But I think there's different numbers, but 84 was the one that looked like the what graphing I graphing calculator maybe is like, I don't know. Yeah. But just the fact that I even know this uh, is putting <laughs> is it, that. There's scientific and then there's graphing and then there's like the extreme graphing and remember they would tell you like there's more science in this calculator than there is in the space station does everybody remember no i don't remember hearing that no one ever that's crazy they were just like if you drop your calculator you're going to detention that's what i (laughs) i just i remember people like people in my school like cheating by putting like all the answers in their calculator but i'm like that is so crazy like that's coding that's like yeah that's that's low-level coding and i wasn't i wasn't there yet but i Here's an embarrassing story. I asked a guy to winter formal by typing out, like, will you go to formal with me on the graphing calculator? And he said no. And it was like in a well, we were because we were study buddies for calculus and or not calculus as freshman year of high school. We were not in calculus. What was it? Algebra? I don't know. Yes. Yeah. Um, but 
that was really embarrassing. And so for that reason, like those calculators have have a kind of like oh connotation in my so big big sad vibes. Big yeah. sad, yeah. Did, did he type no or say no? It? He said it. Oh, uh, that's even worse. No, it's I like, think typing it. Yeah, typing it would be worse. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> that's that's traumatic. I was like, can you check my map on this one? Oh, oh, oh. and Hard. that was smooth too. Hard. Okay. Um, your next category is early. Yes. Okay. Um, early two thousands candy. So you'll be ranking Ring Pop, Fun Dip, Mini M and M's in the tube. Okay. The tube is so core to that. The tube is so important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The tube is. I think really important too. There's a d- totally different answer if it's just mini M&Ms. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I grew up in one of those no sugar households. So okay. all candy was enjoyed outside the house in, in other occasions. So all candy kind of feels radder than I could be. But I think um, Fun Dip was the most rad, I would say, because... I don't know. Like it was kind of like, dr- it's almost like drugs. Like yeah. it was like naughty. Like I yeah. was weird, like uncomfortable having fun dip. Well, and fun dip was the kind of thing that if we had it, my mom would be like, that's disgusting. That's just straight sugar. You're eating sugar out of a bag. And so then you'd like, it felt like a little bit like edgy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't really feel like there's like a, a, a gimmick to it besides like you're kind of doing drugs. Like I, I just, there was and something else that was like this. Licking is kind of sexy like, sticks. People would do like the licking of the stick kind of sexually, I feel like. Yeah. That was um, another element to the fun dip. I literally even wrote fun dip and I was like, if she doesn't say this is the raddest, I'm going to like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> Pixie sticks also were like that. Um, yeah. Because they were drugs. They were literally yeah. drugs. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, people would snort them. I it, it was, that was, and I was like, this is not, we're not doing this. And then I'm going to go ring pop is, is bad ring pops were I think like universally liked um I thought they were like it was always just like fun to play with I think everybody kind of had a good a a good fashion moment with a ring pop Mm -hmm. but to me it was less about like I didn't ever like eat that that was like just kind of to wear like I yeah I think I didn't like I didn't like having the necklaces either I didn't want I don't want to wear my except I don't want to eat my accessories That's so um, reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. Sticky, <laughs> like immediately. Yeah. They yeah. Dust and hair. Yeah. Like but- just, I didn't like that sensation. Not for me. A little too, a little too, like I'm not footloose and fancy free enough to live <laughs> like that. The mini M and the M M&M and the tube was a snack and an instrument and a toy, an absolute <laughs> delight. That was before, before we had Candy Crush or anything like that. Like that was a good way to just knock out a couple hours of boredom was just shaking that thing around like bothering everybody because I didn't have anything better to do so yeah gotta go mini M&M in the tube is is the saddest I totally agree yeah I also think something about the mini M&Ms that is very good girl coded is that you could save a little bit for later so you could like ration it in mm-hmm. a way that you could not with a ring pop it's like a pill bottle yeah yes. And you're, you're like, like a child with a mini prescription. Yes, exactly. Well, because also I was definitely one of those kids that would like organize my Skittle or M&M. I mean, not that not in the tube. Actually, I would let myself go with the tube. But oh, if I got a bag of M&Ms, I would sort them by color and I would eat them until they were all even. And then I would go in descending color favorite. You know how kids do this? I do. Yeah. And adults sometimes, mm-hmm. me yeah. mostly. Um, so the mini M&M was like I could save it for later and I could, you know, do it at my leisure when I had my own 
time to separate everything. Yeah. Okay. So that yeah. was more aggressive than I think everybody else was, but excellent. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was the next one. <laughs> so this next category is college majors. Um, I had kind of a weird major, so I didn't put it on here. I just put like your, your standard issue, communications, English, history, mathematics, and biology. Hmm, this is hard because I feel like all three can be can be in all of mm-hmm. them. I feel like communications is the raddest. I agree. It's like just, such a cool girl major. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you you don't have that one thing you were like so good at that you had to make it your personality or whatever to major in in, in college or like, yeah, you're in college you're taking classes and you're having a good time, you know, like that's the vibe, like definitely um, the fun type of majors. Yeah. 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 For sure. Then, huh, this is hard because I feel like all of the other four are kind of nerdy majors, mm-hmm. but in their very own ways. So it's like interesting here. I'm going to go mathematics next because I feel like math, just like a pure math major is for the most well-adjusted of nerdy and intellectual people. Mm-hmm. I think that if you have a little more like, you know, trauma or anxiety or like something going on, you've niched down a little further as a STEM person. So yeah. like, math I think just like, I'm good at math. Math was, in it? math was all these just like really normal boys and like hot mean girls like when <laughs> if when I went to college like that was sort uh-huh. of the vibe so yeah. well, I also p- remember like finding out that somebody I'm that's so funny when you said hot mean girls this very specific girl flashed in my head and she just like seemed like the dumbest person in the world but she was like a math major and brilliant and I feel like that was the vibe of a math major it's like you're either like a a guy who's like always been good at math so like why not be a math major and, like wants to be a high school math teacher yeah or you're mm-hmm. like a girl who's like low-key a genius at math (laughs) yeah nothing else just math like Renee Rapp and sex size of college yes exactly like that exactly Mm -hmm. like that that's perfect that she was a math major like it's it's just so perfect yeah and so I think I think that is bad leaning rad a -hmm. math major um and then we go personally I'm going here history because I think that tends to be um, like my, I said, my brother is an electrical engineering major. He is also like loves history. And I feel like these like boys who love history, that's like a category of person. And I think there's obviously more than just boys, but I, I think those are often people who act out as children. Like they're kind of like people that like history history has a lot of violence um history has a lot of chaos so I think those are people who from a young age were drawn to chaos a little bit but it's not you're not too cool for school for sure majoring in history like you are there's yeah so I think I'm gonna go just full-on bad and then what we have left is English and biology um I think biology is coming in right here for me I think these are usually people who are trying to be like doctors and stuff and I feel like that is very you mentioned like people I I know so many 
good girls gone sad who are like currently in med school and like just kind of like whoa this is my life and I think that is you know it's it's about if you're like science-minded and you're curious about people that's like kind of where you end up I think a lot of the time there's also all those like marine biology girls who I think are also a category like the ocean is a category of of good girl gone sad type of person with the horses um, yeah, wanting wanting to ride horses and wanting to be a dolphin trainer, those are the same thing. Yeah, yeah. So I think biology is like that kind of person mm-hmm. tends to be that major. So I'll do that. And then I'm gonna go English as the saddest because I totally. think you like to love literature like that at such a young age means like you were very emotionally in tune at a very young age which means you're probably like mature for your age which is very good girl gone sad yeah I also think like a desire to only write essays and never take tests like that's very good girl gone sad (laughs) like if you're an English major and history kind of like you're just writing essays and you're like with my words I can convince them that I'm smart (laughs) like yeah yeah I kind of felt like well anyone can do math I was like, but I am the only person who can come reach this like beautiful conclusion, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, mostly because I was really bad at math. Um, <laughs> okay. And your last one, um, I think the movies. Okay. Okay. What did you all major in before we move on? I'm just curious. Um, I majored in apparel merchandising. Okay. Yeah. You make handbags. Was, so you're yeah, using I was it. Going to be in business. And then. Um, I always, so my dream, we were talking about when earlier, like, did, would, I would be very proud of myself, I think, um, because I never really, I thought I was going to be famous, but just like from a, like in the way that I just thought I was going to be famous. Mm-hmm. Um, but my real dream was to like move to New York city, live in a studio apartment, own a little buff poodle, um, like the color buff. When I found out that, oh, like, okay. I thought you meant a muscular poodle. Oh, no, 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 it's mostly I found out that like poodles were so fancy. They had like their own, like I'd never heard the term buff before, but it really is just like another word for tan. And when I heard that like buff was like a specific category of poodle, I was like, I need that fancy tan poodle. And I was going to walk that poodle um, in the morning and I was going to walk to work in my, in my heels for my fashion job. And I live with a dog that I do not take care of because it's not mine, but it's a Pomeranian. Sure. Close enough. And then I go work in my little fashion job. So I kind of did it. I mostly did it. Um, yeah. Like a a sensible kind of like, like a, like a boot. I do wear, I wear a lot of heeled boots. I mean, my Versace boots, literally, if I showed them to my five-year-old, I was like my five-year-old self, I have these Versace boots that I, because the company I work at, I got a good discount on. Mm -hmm. But if I showed my five-year-old self, I was like, just wait 20 years. Yeah. Like, look, the boots are coming. Just yeah. Um, like every year for Halloween, I was just like fashion sparkly thing. Like that's just, awesome. Like, just like a sparkly dress. Um, there was one year I was called I was something called the purple goddess. Um, because I it was purple goddess in the like I think I bought it from a dance catalog because I was a child dancer, child dancer, child, dancer. <laughs> child actor. It's like I was a child dancer. Mm-hmm. I was barely a dancer. I was a child dancer for sure. Um, and I like bought a costume like a dance costume for my Halloween costume and it was like purple goddess but everyone's like that's the gaudiest thing I've ever seen and then I thought that was so funny (laughs) what it meant but I quickly like what are you for Halloween is like I'm the purple gaudiest I love that that's great um there's a lot of like very fond memories of me being the purple god and I'm just like wearing this big sparkly purple dress and I was like I'm just 
purple girl wearing purple for Halloween. Yeah. What was your major, Becca? (laughs) I, so I had a double major. I was, my major was called peace, war and defense. It's basically like military history. I don't know. (laughs) It has nothing to do with what I do today, but it was really interesting. Um, it was like 90% nerdy male, 10% like random girls who were like, those classes sound cool. (laughs) Um, and then I also, I double majored in, um, in the journalism school and advertising and I was a history minor. So really ran the gamut. I just, I had two, I had a fashion business and Spanish minors, but, and I wanted a theater minor and they cut me off from minors. So <laughs> they're like, you can make Spanish yeah, too major. many. Yeah. Like, they're like, you can make Spanish a major. And I was like, no, the people really expect me to like be very good at Spanish. And I know that I am not. So like on paper, I could like take tests and I studied abroad, like full immersion program. But beyond that, which is still a lot of Spanish, I'm not very good at Spanish. Anyway, I, pl- I plan to minor in in theater, but my spring quarter of my senior year was COVID. And I was like, I'm not taking, I was like, I was done with all my requirements except for that minor. And I was like, I'm not taking any online theater classes, like absolutely not. So I just kind of was like, I'll be done with school now, but I majored in public policy and I minored in visual art, which I'm not, I mean, I guess I'm using like in design but mm-hmm. not really using those degrees. That's, like, yeah. that's actually like a very rad combo. Well, it's funny. So my peace, war and defense and advertising combo, my sister says is propaganda major. Yes. And I feel like you were also low-key a propaganda major. Yeah, so I, I started out as an economics and theater double major. Like that was my plan. And then I hated the vibes of the people in both in completely opposite ways. Yeah, um, <laughs> I didn't see that. Yeah, I was like, these are not my people in either direction. And I did those, I did those major minors. And then I spent most of my time doing improv, which was my kind of third area of study. Third major. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Love that. Lovely. Okay. You have one more, if you're up for it, driveway activities, hopscotch, razor scooter, skip it. Remind me, skip it, because I probably it's played that, it, but didn't call it by that, that thing name. you put on your ankle that would destroy your ankles and you would skip over it. Do you remember those? We it had was like, like a jump rope, but not just yeah. around your ankle. Whoa, I don't think we ever had that, but Heelys were like kind of our. Oh, okay. yeah. I'm going to sub that in because I feel like they kind of fit mm-hmm. the same mm-hmm. sort of thing. Yeah. And I'm going to call that the raddest. Yeah. Yes. Um, Definitely. I was too afraid of hurting myself to ever do say, anything like so that. <laughs> um, yeah. Everyone who had those, I was like, you're so cool. They were banned at school. Like that, that was for sure. I was never, my parents were never spending money on a pair of shoes that I was not allowed to wear to school. Like that was yeah. not ever happening. Um, so I think that is for sure the raddest. And then what are the other two hopscotch and razor scooters? Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say hopscotch is the bad in this one because I think everybody did it. Like, I don't think that that kind of spanned a type of kid, really. And I think hopscotch, you know, it was carved onto the into the school playground like it was there. It was for everyone. Um, I definitely liked it. But razor scooters, I think, were 
really for those of us who wanted to simulate danger without ever be having to put ourselves in actual danger. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. I think like I would always put myself on a razor scooter and be like, pretend I was in a music video, like on a motorcycle, like doing something <laughs> crazy. And I'd yeah. be like, I'm doing tricks. And I'd just be doing my razor, razor scooter, like in a circle in my parents' backyard. Like mm-hmm. it was not, there was just so much delusion going on with that razor scooter that I was like, tricking myself into thinking like so much adrenaline was rushing through me, but I was just like riding around in my razor scooter. And also you got to like customize it and make it like, I had one with like blue glittery wheels and that was very like, just very special to me. And I had long after I rode the razor scooter, like I had just such an attachment to it and it was like sitting in my parents' garage and I just felt very fondly about it. But yeah, I mean, like a razor scooter with the full like knee pad helmet combo. That's the saddest you can get, I think. Yeah, that's pretty sad. Yeah. I will say that the saddest, saddest you can get because I actually never went full razor scooter. Um, but my like the neighbor girls had like a scooter that was like a tricycle, like it had three, like two wheels on. The yeah, back. that was my jam. I was like, I'm not falling over, and I really love not falling over. That's so funny, which is pretty sad. But yeah, razor scooter. That's a that I think you're right. That's definitely the saddest. Yeah. It's also like not a skateboard. You're not like cool and dangerous. Mm-hmm. You're just scooting along. And you're kind of like, it was like a mild independence, right? Like your mm-hmm. first, um, I want to be independent. So, cause bikes can take you really far. Razor scooter cannot take you quite yeah. far. Yeah. So stepping stone. I remember like my family would be going to the pool and they were like, you can raise your scooter and like, you'll get there like a couple minutes before us. And they were like the couple minutes that I arrived at the neighborhood pool before my parents is like, yeah, I razored here, you know? <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Razored here. Razored here. Um, well, that's amazing. Thank you so much. You won the game. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> um, now yes. the last thing we do is we say we pass the offertory plate, which is just a way for you to plug yourself. Where can we find you? You can find me on pretty much any social media platform at show me the yams with a Z. I would love to be at Yamini everywhere, but in like mid 2010, some woman took that like everywhere. And now I'm scared to make new social medias with that because I'm show me the yams everywhere. So this I was is like, you could, I was like threads, you could finally have. <sighs> yeah, but yeah. threads like makes you be like you are on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Oh, I haven't forayed into it. I'm afraid of it. It's, it's scary because if you, I unfollowed someone on threads because I was like, I actually don't want to see what they have to say. Like, I only really care about your pictures. And then I got notified, like, I didn't get notified, but then they followed me again on it because they must have like realized that I unfollowed them on Instagram or something. And then they like followed me and I wasn't following them back. And I was like, huh. But then I realized they had fault. So. Oh, that's weird. I didn't even think about the connection because I did see somebody say that if you delete your threads account, you delete, you delete your Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I don't think that our, you know, I don't think that like, it's a good idea, I guess, but I don't think our Instagram should be linked that closely to our thoughts. I don't, I, I don't care to know some of these people's thoughts and that's, that's fine. Like we should just leave it that way. But if you care to know mine, you can follow me yes. <laughs> anywhere at show me the yams. Um, I, if you're in LA, I have a bi-monthly comedy variety show called Chicago tens that I host with some of my friends who also went to college in Chicago and I host a podcast called Pillow Fight. It is a sleepover themed like pop culture and news podcast. I've guests. we play lots of little games and just like talk about 
what's been going on, good, bad, ugly. And also my friend Isabella and I just wrote a short film that we are in pre-production for. So we are having a fundraising show in LA on August 11th. And if you're not in LA, look out for a Seed and Spark link soon that I will be pushing everywhere because we're trying to make that and I'm very excited about it. It's like a, it's it's very a la book smart, kind of like raunchy girl besties comedy. So it'll be fun. That's and awesome. Yeah. Congrats. Yeah, congrats. Thank you. So cool. Thank you All so right. much. Well, that's pretty much it. Thank you yeah. so much for your time and being like open and vulnerable. We always appreciate that. Of course. Thanks so much for having me. This is so much fun. Thanks so much for listening. You can find me, Becca Stevenson, at the Becca Stevenson on Instagram and at the real underscore Becca on TikTok and Twitter. You can find me, Sid King, at Sid period the period King on Instagram. And you can find us, the Good Girls Gone Sad, at Good Girls Gone Sad on Instagram and TikTok. You can also email us at goodgirlsgonesad at gmail.com. If you would like to submit a glossary submission, you can DM it to us on Instagram or send it through by email. Also, if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, we will mail you a sticker and a matchbook. If you DM it to us on Instagram, just have to give us your address. Five-star reviews only, please. Also, don't forget, if you want to drink your morning coffee out of a mug that says Jesus wouldn't call people whores on the internet, you can do that with our merch, which you can find via our link tree. We would also like to thank Emery Bergman for our amazing logo and Luke Lima for our amazing intro and outro music. All right, there's only one thing left to say. Jesus wouldn't call people whores on the internet. And neither should you. (laughs) Bye. Bye.